What's going on, guys? It's Dave with Dynasty Dorks. We had a, a banger of a trade this weekend that really um, we've been waiting on for a long time. We're going to talk about that today. We got four great guests on the show, and we are going to talk about breakouts and bust candidates. So this is one you definitely want to stay tuned for. I got again, we got great guys on. I want to let the guys introduce themselves. Mong, second time on the show. Appreciate you coming back, man. Hey, yeah, it's great to be back talking with a lot of you guys on Twitter, but always love hitting you guys up on the podcast as well. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung, that's M-E-N-G. And yeah, I just updated my redraft PPR rankings and my dynasty rankings, both one quarterback and super flex, uh, to account for the Julio trade. So you guys can find all that over at Fantrax. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Sam, welcome to the show. What's going on, man? I'm I'm happy to be back, especially after you know impromptu ha- hopping on last week with you and Robbie and uh, GDFS and Maddie. So that that was fun. But uh, yeah, you you guys can find me on Twitter at swagman95, uh, contributor with Ball Blast, and uh, now with Football Guys as well. So uh, yeah, really just thrilled about that. Working on my first article for Football Guys, and hopefully that'll be out in uh, a few weeks. Cool. Thanks for coming on. Make sure you guys give him a follow. Jeremy and Matt, it's been a really long time. Jeremy, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you can find me guys on Twitter at Pope's FFH, and you can find any of my articles and writing over at Yards Per in the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Matt, last but not least. What's up, man? Uh, good to be here, Dave. Uh, miss talking to you, dude. It's been a while. Uh, I'm a graphic designer. Uh, I work with the Dynasty Rewind, and I'm also freelance. So if you need designs or anything, hit me up on Twitter at Matty Big Chest. Yeah, this is the perfect time to upgrade your league. Um, you know, always keep your league relevant. Always, you know, have your group chats wherever you go on there. Do exactly that. That nice background swag, man. It's it's awesome background. Um, but yeah, make sure you guys are upgrading your leagues, hit Matt up. He's got great stuff, quick turnaround. He'll get you whatever you want. It's awesome. So let's just go straight into it. So, well, before I forget, um, verdianglobal.com. If you guys haven't heard of them, um, make sure you guys go check them out. Great stuff. Uh, promo code dynasty dorks. That's all caps. We'll get you 10% off of any player t-shirt hat or hoodie. Um, they're really focusing on player-specific gear right now. So if you have an idea of something you want, just just go on there, check it out. Hashtag rocking the V gear, VeridianGlobal.com. So we had some huge news this weekend with the Julio Jones trade. Not only is Julio Jones affected, but pretty much everyone on the Titans and the uh, the Falcons is going to see a, a dip or a, a jump, depending on, on who they are. So... Let's go through and Monk, tell us, how do you feel like this affected each of the quarterbacks? Yeah, well, I think any buy low window on Ryan Tannehill is now firmly closed. Uh, I think I tweeted out earlier today, actually, that I've got him ranked much closer to that Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson tier than I do the other veterans like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Tannehill is only 32. Um, he's, he was QB8 last year. In fantasy, and then when he took over in 2019, he was QB 11 in points per game. So he was pretty undervalued this offseason, but now with the Julio trade, I don't think that's true anymore. 
And then Matt Ryan, I think he's still a fine QB2 option, but, you know, without Julio there, I don't quite see that elite ceiling that we once imagined if he had a trio of Julio, Ridley, and Kyle Pitts. I agree 100%. Sam, let's talk about the running backs. Yeah, and, and you know, obviously this is going to help Derrick Henry out. Sure, he's going to lose some touches here and there because they're not going to need, need to lean on him as much, but this is still one of the heaviest running attacks in football. And, you know, you definitely believe that Tennessee is going to be much, uh, much more frequently in the red zone, which obviously is, you know, where Derrick Henry lives and breeze and gets all of his touchdowns. Remember, he had 17 touchdowns last year. A number of those are just because they line him right up inside the five and let him take the ball all three downs if he really wants to. So, I mean, he's the best in the game right now at doing it, and uh, I think this is only going to help him be a little more efficient. Uh, as far as ceilings go, you know, I think last year was his ceiling. 2,000 yards and 17 touchdowns is pretty good of a ceiling to me. Uh, but even a slight downtick in that would still put him in, you know, top three range for running backs. And then on the other side, you have Mike Davis, who arguably gets a little bit of a boost from this right now. He's going as RB 30 in uh, ADP right now. So I think he gets a few more targets per game freed up for him, you know, with Julio Jones leaving. And obviously the second best option there is now Kyle Pitts and Russell Gage. So, uh, the fact that he has very good hands is going to only be a good thing for Mike Davis as they're going to try and keep him on the field all three downs unless they sign someone else between now and September. But, uh, you know, I, I, I have him ranked inside my top 24 uh, after this trade, and uh, I think he's going to finish as an RB too. That's a great point. So a lot of receivers talk about Maddie. Yeah, I got I got the the brunt work of it here, but you know, before the trade, it was basically baked into their ADP uh, pre-trade because we knew Julio was going to be moved. I mean, AJ Brown's value didn't really move for me at all. Uh, I think that he's going to be an elite receiver regardless of who's lining up next to him. Um, but yeah, I think that if anyone's helped, it's Russell Gage. Uh, but I don't know how much he's helped. You know, he did a lot last year with Julio in there. They're going to use Kyle Pitts in that role. Uh, they're going to have Hayden Hurst lined up at tight end. How many uh, times are they going to run, uh, throw to three receivers in the offense with uh, Hayden Hurst in there as well? So we're going to let Popes talk about Hurst because I think Hurst is a good guy uh, that Popes will touch on more. I'm not going to say Perfect anymore. segue. I thought you were going to steal Hayden Hurst on me for a minute. I was getting I, wasn't, a little, I, I had to. I was getting a little upset, honestly. But I think the biggest tight end affected from this could either be you can argue is Hayden Hurst or Anthony Frisker. I think Kyle Pitts gets a bump for sure. Um, they'd alluded to him already possibly playing some wide receiver and lining up out wide. So the argument could be made that they might do that a lot more and put. Um, Hayden Hurst on the line is more of your traditional tight end, which Hayden Hurst is very good at. He is still a solid tight end. I don't think he should be overlooked in this offense, especially now that I feel those are their three top targets. Russell Gage has proven that even with a big workload, he doesn't really produce crazy fantasy numbers. So for me, I'm leaning towards Hayden Hurst is the biggest winner. Um, Anthony Frisker is obviously the biggest loser. I feel like his target share may end up being very limited. Um, I mean, you obviously now have Julio, A.J. Brown, Josh Reynolds is still there. And I just don't know if Frisker is really their answer. I know I've, I've heard a couple things on Twitter, too, that the Titans aren't totally, like, set with Frisker. So they may even be looking to bring somebody else in. So I think that 
like I said, I think Hayden Hurst is a big winner. Kyle Pitts, obviously, and Frisker's the biggest loser. So, yeah, yeah, and Josh Reynolds. We didn't talk about him, but some people had some hopes that he was going to do something this year. And Julio definitely uh, puts uh, puts a wet blanket on any of that talk. So, um, let's go straight into it. So, breakouts, quarterback, Mung, you got Sam Darnold. Let's talk about it. Yeah, he's a guy that I've really warmed up a lot to this offseason. Obviously, going from Adam Gase to Joe Brady is, is a huge upgrade. And then when you look at his surrounding cast, you know, he's got three great wide receivers. And then hopefully, you know, knock on wood, Christian McCaffrey will be healthy this year. And that'll help a ton. Um, and, you know, just all he has to do is not turn the ball over. Let those receivers do their thing. Last year, Teddy Bridgewater was the QB 17 in fantasy, just checking it down for the most part, uh, one of the lowest average intended air yards per pass attempt. So it's not hard to imagine Darnold finishing as a top 15 or so fantasy quarterback with that added red zone threat, Terrace Marshall now. Um, you've got Dan Arnold as well, who they signed this offseason. So I see Darnold as a strong QB2 option in Superflex. You can get him you know, for a late first, early second right now, and then in best ball drafts recently, I've been loving getting them late as my QB too. Love it. Love it. Sam, you had your boy, Jalen Hurts. Let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, obviously um, I think Jalen Hurts is going to be much of a Konami code type quarterback. You know, he's obviously going to have that huge rushing output. You know, he should be easily projected for around 750, 800 yards rushing this year. Uh, and that honestly could be a floor for him, given how much the Eagles are going to need to continue to stay in games by improvising and doing other things because their defense is still not the best. Um, you know, we're going to be playing from behind a fair bit this year. But I see Jalen Hurts as as a good quarterback, an actual quarterback. And, you know, people have thought of him as a gadget guy, um, someone who can't really throw the ball not a ton of arm strength, but really, I mean, you know, we're not too far uh, removed from the years where Jalen Hurts was dominating at Alabama and at Oklahoma and putting up very low interception numbers while posting high touchdown numbers, good completion percentage. And, you know, he just got the best, he just got the reigning Heisman winner and Devontae Smith added to his team. He has Jalen Rager, who was a first round pick last year and is back to playing at the body weight that the Eagles won him on. It was actually said that they find Jalen Rager because he was playing too light la or too heavy last year. Now he's back playing light. He'll be faster, more mobile, and he'll be playing a role more suited to him and playing uh, a little bit of outside, but a lot of time in the slot, which will help him develop more. But adding Devontae Smith, having Dallas Goddard, all sets up for uh, Jalen Hurts to have a very good season. And, you know, it, I have him as my QB six and I think that his ceiling is, you know, sneaking into that top five, but he could be, he's, you know, not someone who a lot of people are taking right now because they're worried, but I think you should be all in on Jalen Hurts and that he's going to be a top seven quarterback this year. Yeah. And he gets three starting offensive linemen back, which is, was pretty big as well. So, um, no, I love that. Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, I picked Carson Wentz. I think that for me, Carson Wentz is right now, he's kind of, he's pretty, he's torn in between, but I'm totally in on him. I think that reuniting with Frank Wright, I mean, he was a quarterback five in 2017 under Wright. Yes, it was a while ago. 
However, I just feel like it's a better team than the Eagles gave them last year. It's a better offensive line, a tremendous run game that has proven no matter who's running the ball back there, they can be effective. And then he's getting better weapons, in my opinion. I think the tight end position is the only spot that he's going to go down as far as weapon playmakers go. So I just feel like there's nothing that's stopping Carson Wentz from being a high-end QB2 this year and possibly a low-end QB1. Um, I mean, I just see that there's a lot of weapons there, and I think that he's going to take that step back to what he was back in 2017. Just He's not going to be relied on as much as he was in Philly. I think he'll be able to play a little bit safer, take a couple shots here and there off of play action, and he's not going to be, like like I said, relied on. He has a good defense. They're going to put him in good situations, and I think we've seen it with Jared Goff. Jared Goff was a QB7 in 2018 on a team that didn't let him really necessarily air the ball out completely. Like They made decent throws, easy throws for him, and I think that's what the uh, Colts can do for Carson Wentz this year. So I'm all in. Yeah, when you're evaluating quarterbacks, two very underrated um, – I, you know, two underrated things that go into the formula are the offensive line and the play caller. And, you know, we always want to look at the receivers, look at the tight end and say, wow, like, you know, they don't, and, and the Colts don't really have that. They don't have a huge amount of weapons in compared, you know, comparison to some of the guys we've mentioned already, but um, the offensive line is a huge difference maker. And Frank Reich is a huge difference maker. Um, so I, I like that pick as well. And uh, Maddie. A little spicy mm-hmm. one here. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is spicy because he's a rookie and he's entering the league, but he's going into one of the worst defenses in the NFL, which is the New York Jets, and that's Zach Wilson. I think that he's going to have enough volume to put up uh, fantasy relevance this year. He's going to be starting week one. We know that. You know, he has a real chance to be the best rookie quarterback this year. Uh, I think that people are taking the rushing quarterbacks first in fantasy uh, dynasty rookie drafts because they want to get that rushing upside. But if you look at it and you need a quarterback, why aren't you taking Zach Wilson? I mean, there's not enough things you can say about this kid. He has all the intangibles. I mean, his mom's a little crazy, but you got to deal with that. Uh, but I, I like Zach Wilson, man. Uh, people, he's my, he's my Herbert this year, if that makes sense. He's my guy that's undervalued, and I think he's going to perform more uh, than what you paid for him. So Zach Wilson, for that reason, is my breakout candidate. I think he ends up as a high-end QB, too, uh, you know, right around the Baker Mayfield range of quarterbacks because, you know, he is a rookie, so you have to temper your expectations a little. Uh, but from all reports, I mean, all reports are going to be good about first-round picks, but, you know, all reports say that he looks really good out there. So I, I'm, I'm in on Zach Wilson this year, man. The, the Jets are already doing better things for him than they ever did for Sam Darnold in the you know, three years he was there. The offensive mm-hmm. line is better Mekhi than Sam Becton. Darnold's ever had. They got weapons that Sam Darnold never had. And then they also, addition by subtraction, Adam Gaze is out of there, which Sam Darnold never had that either. So um, mine was Tua. So, I mean, I, I really – I was actually going to go with Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think he's definitely going to jump on the scene. Um, but Tua. So um, he's someone that uh, I know people were kind of hot and cold on him last year. Um, but it was a – shining endorsement when they when they traded back and passed up on the opportunity to to pick a three and then what did they do they built around him going and getting Jalen Waddle was was huge um they 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 definitely believe in Tua and this this team is you know it's they overperformed last year um but I think with the coaching staff and the things that we've seen they are going in the right direction 
Uh, Miles Gaskin was, you know, he jumped on the scene last year. Um, they're going to, ha- they're still got Devontae Parker. They added Will Fuller to the offense, added Jalen Waddle. They got, got Mike Gusecki. Uh, I mean, Tua, he definitely should, should have a, a bounce back year after a little bit of a rocky start. Uh, but I think he was one of the, one of the big winners this offseason. And I think he's a breakout candidate as well. Um, so everybody, if you're listening, tag Troy King, because I just gave one of his Dolphins a shout out. And, and I know if he was on the show, he would definitely be doing that. Um, let's start with, uh, let's go back to running backs. So, Mom, you got a, a rookie. Let's talk about him. Yeah, and, you know, like Sam Darnold, this is a guy who I've really gotten higher and higher on as the offseason's progressed. Trey Sermon, he's a powerful one-cut runner, and he's a perfect fit for Kyle Shanahan's own scheme in San Francisco. You know, they mix up their run game quite a bit, so he will get some gap work as well. But per PFF, Sermon graded out with an 88.9 out of 100 on zone runs in college, just a 69.4 on gap runs. Um, there were some concerns about, you know, how muddy this crowded 49ers backfield would be after Sermon landed there after the NFL draft, but it really isn't all that crowded, and talent generally wins out here. Mostert's a 29-year-old who's flashed, but he hasn't managed to stay healthy. He's already missed some OTAs due to a minor knee injury, so Sermon's been getting some first-team reps already. Um, there are rumors, too, that Mostert might have been a cut candidate had Jeff Wilson not gotten surgery. Speaking of, Wilson is now slated to start the year on Pup. He might not even play at all in 2021. You know, they've got Wayne Gallman, but then we had the recent reports that Sermon took the first team reps, followed by Jamichael Hasty and Elijah Mitchell. So Gallman's been barely getting touches already. He's got a fair shot to win this lead job heading into week one, and he has the three-down skill set to be a potential workhorse, you know, his ceiling is immense. And at the current cost of just a late first, he's going after ETN, Williams, and Harris. But I'm buying that uncertainty right now, given that potential upside. Love it. Love it. Sam. Yeah, and uh, I chose Antonio Gibson. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a pretty common choice for me, as Mung knows. And, you know, I, I spent a whole 30 minutes talking about it on uh, Smash Accept a couple weeks ago with him and Jeremy. And, uh, you know, obviously that, but Antonio Gibson is, you know, primed for a breakout year. Um, JD McKissick is obviously not going to get 110 targets again, at least, you know, he shouldn't if, if Washington is smart and, you know, Ron Rivera sticks to what he said about wanting to give, uh, Gibson more passing work and he should get more passing work. The guy is a former converted wide receiver. So, uh, I think his touchdown, you know, he's going to see some regression in his touchdowns, but the Washington offense is going to be good enough next year, better than it was last year with Alex Smith for sure. And that was a huge reason why J.D. McKissick so overperformed, I think, was because Alex Smith just wanted to check down to him all the time. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to give Gibson some more uh, opportunities in the screen game, and that offense is going to flow a little bit better. I think you're going to see more opportunities for Gibson inside the five. And I have all the faith that he can uh, break into the top 12 at the position this year. And I have him uh, at my RB nine for this year. Love it. Um, little uh, minor Julio addition to the breaking news. So Matt, you're going to have to do uh, Julio Jones Photoshop and number two, because Julio Jones is going to wear the number two. It's official. So Jeremy, who do you got for your breakout running back? 
Yeah, my, <clears throat> mine's another second-year running back, and uh, if you follow me on Twitter, um, you're going to know who it is already. Um, but it's J.K. Dobbins. For me, I am all in on this train. I know there's a lot of people who are in, and there's a lot of people who are out. Um, I just loved when J.K. Dobbins got drafted in Baltimore. I think he's a perfect fit to that offense. I think he was arguably the RB1 in that class. He's just got a tremendous talent. He's a very good pass catcher as well, but Baltimore doesn't necessarily use him, but they just openly came out and said earlier this week that he was going to be more involved in the passing game. How much that's going to be, we don't know, but I'm assuming that it's going to be a decent amount. And I just think that if he can keep anywhere near his efficiency that he had last year, which was five to six yards of carry, and he just looked like way better than the other backs in that backfield in that offense. And I just, the way he explodes out of holes and he's just, he just seems like he's got that it factor to me. And I'm all in on the fact that I think that arguably, I mean, you can say like, I saw that um, Michelle from ball blast had said that he didn't have 15 touchdowns to get into the top 12. And I think if his passing yardage gets, or his passing usage gets brought up, I think he necessarily doesn't need to hit 15, but I don't think it's unreal to see him hit almost 10 to 11 to 12 touchdowns. I just think that last year you saw even in the first game, they started giving him the ball near the goal line. He's terrific with his vision and the way he can work inside and outside. And he's a very good goal line back. It just depends on the matchups in which Baltimore feels they have the advantage. For example, the Colts game, you saw Gus Edwards gets the goal line carries, but in the last six game or last, I think believe three or four games, he had all the goal line touches in the red zone inside the five yard line. So you could see the tide kind of turning there. I think just JK Dobbins is a more talented back than Gus Edwards. And I think they'll both get used, but I think if he gets close to 50% of the snaps or 50% of the rushing share, instead of where he was last year at 30, when he finished as an RB 24 in 17 games, I think there's no reason that he can't finish high end RB two, possibly low end RB one personally for me so all right matt yeah dude i threw you a curveball because i did write zach moss at first but i just wanted to hide my true identity of my love for deandre swift and that's who i'm putting as my breakout <laughs> guy uh i just wanted to make sure nobody thought i had him because uh you know i i was gonna put him so deandre swift is my breakout guy he's my favorite back you know like, like you said about dobbins he was my favorite back of the 2020 class uh, you know, he's very talented. He's 5'8", 205 pounds. He packs a punch for that size. Uh, he's got really good jukes. Uh, he's got hesitation. Uh, he's got patience. He's got good goal line carries too, man. I posted a tweet uh, about a week ago just showing, just highlighting what he does at the goal line. And he just, he is able to use his eyes. He's able to use his feet well. He's got some of the best footwork I've seen for a running back. Uh, and, you know, this was... This is not just Detroit Lions bias coming out from me, but this is also just fan bias because this is the guy that I scouted the hardest, and then he ends up on my favorite team, and he's my favorite fantasy asset. So of course I gotta have to I have to say he's gonna break out because he's on fifty six percent of my freaking teams, man. So he better That's break it? out. I got like eighty percent of J.K. Dobbins, so get on my level. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, yeah. <laughs> of course I'm taking him at like two one though, so I'm that guy. So go with your guys and <laughs> go with your guys. And, you know, I, I, for me in PPR, you know, I know there's talks about, you know, Jamal Williams and the hot hand and stuff like that, but Anthony Lynn loves to target the backs. I, I, I mm -hmm. love, uh, I love DeAndre Swift in PPR settings. And, and I thought that was, that was a good pick. So uh, for me, it's Cam Akers. I'm sticking with the second, second year running back theme. Um, Cam Akers had a mini breakout kind of in the playoffs last year, the end of the season. 
Uh, I'm not afraid of Daryl Henderson whatsoever. Um, I think, you know, Matthew Stafford adds another element to that offense. It's going to be a high powered offense. It's going to be an efficient offense. Um, and we could see, you know, Todd Gurley, 2017, you know, 18 numbers. Uh, I, I think Cam Akers is, you know, top, he's got top five potential this year um, for a guy that, you know, didn't really see the field that much, that much last year. Um, and he's 21 years old. So I'm scooping him up in every one of my dynasty leagues. So we're talking about how you guys own those guys. Well, the guy that I've traded for the most this offseason, and Mung, I was unsuccessful in getting Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but I've gotten three uh, three Cam Akers shares in the last three weeks, and I am all over Cam Akers in 2021. Let's go to receivers. Mung, you had DJ Chark. Let's talk about it. Yeah, and I think everybody was talking up DJ Chark last year, right? We were expecting yeah. a 2020 breakout after a phenomenal 2019 season. And, you know, it seemed like he was questionable every single week with minor, you know, hip, ankle, back injuries, whatever it was, he had it. Um, but also the efficiency stats of his quarterback last year. I mean, he ranked 91st in catchable target rate. Uh, ninth in unrealized air yards with Gardner Minshew, Mike Glennon, and Jake Luton under center. Uh, when he had slightly better quarterback play from Minshew and Nick Foles in 2019, still just 33rd in catchable target rate, but Shark was the wide receiver 14 in fantasy points per game. Right Now he gets that upgrade to Trevor Lawrence, who SIS graded with a 70% deep ball accuracy rate last year in college. Even if Lawrence struggles as a rookie, you know, he's still going to be a significant upgrade over the quarterbacks that Shark has played with the last couple of years. I've got him ranked as my number 22 wide receiver in redraft. I don't think a top 12 finish is out of the question if he gets lucky with some touchdowns. He's going as the wide receiver 29 right now in DLF May startup ADP. You can sell guys like Devontae Smith or Chase Claypool for DJ Shark Plus right now. And that's a move that I would definitely be making. Love it. Love it. Sam, who we got? So uh, I took Michael Pittman because uh, obviously building off Carson Wentz coming to Indy to replace Philip Rivers, Michael Pittman, you know, gets his second year with a quarterback who can actually throw the ball longer than 15 yards. So I think that's really good for him. And uh, obviously I'm a huge Carson Wentz fan. Uh, I still am. I won't let him go even after last year because I think the Eagles did their best to, you know, not – really they tried to surround him with talent but their abysmal drafting just kind of set him back and uh, i think last year he was just ready to get out of there so he goes to indianapolis and michael Pittman is there waiting for him as a ready-made wide receiver one um uh he had 540 yards last year he's easily primed to break out to hit you know 900 and a thousand yards this year just due to the fact that Carson Wentz likes to chuck it down the field. Uh, you know, I know that's a run-first offense in Indy. That doesn't matter to me. Carson Wentz likes to throw the ball. He likes to throw it to guys who are tall enough to catch it. He's going to lock onto a safety blanket. And without a reliable tight end on that team, that guy should end up being Michael Pittman. And uh, I, he's going at wide receiver 42 right now, uh, according to DLF's ADP. And I think – you know, for a guy that I think has a outside shot of finishing at as a top twenty-four wide receiver this year, I think wide receiver forty-two is a massive bargain for him. So yeah, and, and be, being on shows with all of these guys before, I, I think that you are 
in agreement with the group on Michael Pittman. Uh, I saw when the Julio Jones got traded to the Titans, uh, someone said, well, this is just a reminder that Michael Pittman is the wide receiver one mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. So, um, yeah, I love that one. Uh, he definitely was on my list of guys that I, I could not cannot talk about. So, Jeremy, who do you got? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to fully endorse the last two for anybody um, if they want extra reinsurance. Um, I was with Mung. I was hyping DJ Shark as soon as I knew the Jags had the first pick. Um, I just love that one. And Michael Pittman, too, another guy I liked last year. But I'm going to go with another second-year wide receiver. And he had a season to forget, but he's not to be forgotten, and that's Denzel Mims. I think Denzel Mims last year, I mean, pro, uh, for uh, uh, player profile had him comped to Chris Godwin. I mean, he's a very good athlete. Last year, he had a terrible luck, and I think he pulled both hamstrings last year. I know definitely the one. And, I mean, he was nursing that all year. And for a guy who's kind of bursty and kind of needs, like, a wide receiver position, a hamstring injury is tough to overcome, especially in the same year. So not only that, did he was he crippled with Adam Gase and arguably Sam Darnold. Um I think that he just doesn't create a lot of separation. That's not Sam Darnold's game. Sam Darnold likes to see guys who are open, hence why Jameson Crowder was his favorite target. He likes the shorter routes, intermediate routes. And I feel like Mims is more of a field stretcher, kind of that intermediate to deep type ball area where he wants to get the ball, and Darnold's not going to give him that. So I think this now with Zach Wilson, we can build off of what Maddie said, where Zach Wilson is going to be out there, and he's always proven that he's okay with chucking the ball up there. And, aside from what San Francisco wants or besides from what the staff from San Francisco wants him to do. I mean, you could argue that he could have an Ayuk type season if they use him in the Ayuk role. Um, I just, I'm not afraid of Corey Davis. I think Corey Davis has proven that he can't be a wide receiver one in Tennessee earlier in his career. And I think that you're going to see like a one, a one B. And I still think that Denzel Mims is going to get a decent amount of targets to the point where he's definitely going to be a top 24 wide receiver possibly this year. All depending yeah. on Zach Wilson. But if Maddie loves Zach Wilson being a top 12, I can't see Denzel Mims not being top 24. So, Yeah, and you, you see a big theme here. A lot of second-year guys we're talking about. Um, Maddie, who you got? I got a second-year guy for you, Dave, and that's LaVisca Chenault, man. Uh, I endorse all these guys here, too. Uh, all, all three so far have been guys that I would roster on my dynasty teams, and LaVisca's uh, another guy that I'm going to roster on my dynasty teams. And I'd, I'd say I'd, I'd roster DJ and LaVisca together because DJ, realistically, how long is he going to stay in Jacksonville, I mean, if he leaves? So you could easily get, I mean, if, you, if you're in a startup and you're, you're drafting, you're going to find LaVisca around the wide receiver 45 to 50 range. Um, so it's a pretty good value right now for a guy who could be a security blanket on a team. Uh, if you look at Urban Meyer's Ohio State offenses, they don't run the the prototypical wide receiver builds for their their X and uh, their Y and their Z. Uh, so they like to use their their six three guys that are fast as deep shots, and then they like to run their their six uh, one guys as security blankets over the middle. Anything really they need, they'll uh, they'll find a way to get some uh, what is it called RPAs to get to the middle of the field. Uh, so I like Lavisca Chenault being a guy who opens up the field. Uh, I think that DJ Chark will have more touchdowns than LaVisca Chenault this year, but LaVisca should be uh, pretty close in production to DJ. Uh, But, yeah, I like all the wide receivers in Jacksonville, including Marvin Jones. Uh, For best ball, he's a guy that I'm targeting, Marvin Jones. He has a lot of two-plus touchdown games. So if you can get any of these Jacksonville wide receivers, man, you're doing good. Yeah, and Maddie, there's a report earlier today that uh, Chenault was catching pretty much everything at OTAs. Yeah. That's my guy. Yep, that's the man. 
Yeah, so I mean, thumbs up both both ways for Jacksonville and that offense. And you know, obviously, um, if Lavisca and DJ Chark are breakout candidates, Trevor Lawrence is uh, obviously another breakout candidate. Uh, my guy's a little bit more expensive. Um, he's definitely, uh, you know, he's had success in the past. And one of my favorite things about Terry McLaurin is he's QB proof. I mean, no matter if it's Dwayne Haskins back there, he still is able to produce, and he's been able to you know, overcome bad quarterback play left and right. And let's, let's not, let's not forget Ryan Fitzpatrick has been known to be, you know, hit or miss himself. Um, but he also is someone that threatens down the field. He's not, he's, he's a big play guy and Terry McLaurin really hasn't had that. So uh, I really love uh, Terry McLaurin this year. Uh, I think the addition of Curtis Samuel just helps him. Um, and then, you know, they, they made some improvements on the offensive line. Um, but I just, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick to Terry McLaurin is just awesome. And if you saw the uh, picture today of Ryan Fitzpatrick on his first day of school, his friends are Terry and Curtis. So, um, I'm a big fan of, uh, Terry McLaurin breaking out and being a legit wide receiver. One, um, could even be, you know, a, a top six wide receiver this year. All right. So to go to the tight ends, mom, what do you got? Yeah, my breakout guy here is Jonu Smith. Uh, I'm not quite sure why everyone's hating on the Patriots tight ends just because they decided to pay two of them. Uh, Jonu was the tight end 13 last year, even missing two games due to an ankle injury. He's a huge yards after the catch guy. He's a playmaker. He's 5.8 yards after the catch per reception last year, ranked fifth among all tight ends, which was more than Kelsey and Waller. And look, there's a reason that Darren Waller led the league with a 28% target share in 2020. That's because Nelson Aguilar ain't it, all right? Aguilar is a fine deep threat, but you got Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, and Jacoby Myers in New England. That's not an inspiring wide receiver core that's going to demand targets. This passing offense is probably going to go through the two tight ends. And there's actually a path, I think, to tight end one production for both Janu and Hunter Henry particularly if Mac Jones starts sooner rather than later. We'll see how serious this Cam Newton hand injury is, but I do think that this offense will be more fantasy-friendly if Jones is a starter. John is super cheap right now. His ADP is tight end 15 in Dynasty. People are still valuing guys like Evan Ingram and Mike Gusecki on name value over Janu, so I love his price right now. Love the breakout. I love it. Sam? So uh, I took Gerald Everett, and uh, you know I, I'm I'm a big fan of Gerald Everett, and you know he, he kind of landed in a situation in LA where he was always stuck working against Tyler Higby, and uh, you know he never really seemed to break out. And you know guys who take this long to break out are usually a fade for me, but it's hard to ignore how athletic Gerald Everett is and what a friendly system he walks into in Seattle. Uh, with Russell Wilson throwing him the ball. And e even though, you know, Pete Carroll says year after year, you know, we don't want to let Russ cook. We don't want to let Russ cook. Russ, you know, manages to get there anyways. You know, his his amount of deep balls thrown to the end zone is, you know, top three in the league every year for the last four years. Uh, you know, Jared Everett steps in to an offense where you have uh, kind of a void in, you know, after – the top two uh, wide receivers there in Metcalf and Lockett. And he could easily challenge as a guy inside 20 that Wilson goes to when Metcalf and Lockett are heavily covered. Um, 
and with not anybody behind them except Dwayne Eskridge, uh, Everett kind of steps into a place where he's ready-made for a good amount of production. Uh, you know, nothing, nothing too huge and serious, but with him going right outside the top 20 right now, I, I see an easy way for him to break into that top 15. And uh, if he's very efficient, he could even get higher than that. Yeah, and the Rams passing game coordinator went over to Seattle with him, so he's to be familiar with that offense. Um, Jeremy, who do you got? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to pick a tight end who, similar to the last two, um, <clears throat> actually not really similar to the last two. Sorry, Sam, it's not the same as yours. More like Monks is another guy who arguably is their wide receiver two on the team. Um, he's going to have that Darren Waller type target share, I think, and that's going to be Adam Troutman. I think this year Adam Troutman's coming in. Last year he had 16 targets all year, but he caught 15 of them. He was a crazy efficient with as far as making receptions and his catch percentage. So you have to expect that to go down. However, I think Jameis Winston has always liked to target his tight ends and especially in the red zone. And I think Sean Payton really liked Adam Troutman last year. He had referred to him as a Jeremy Shockey type tight end. And I think you're going to see Adam Troutman more as an inline tight end or more off the line and in the slot, possibly used as their wide receiver two, possibly kind of like a Waller style. And they're going to use Nick Vanette, who they brought in more as their blocking tight end, but not to doubt Troutman either because Troutman's a very good blocker. He actually graded very well in pro football focus, so he can be on the field as well. So I just like that Troutman's going to be on the field a lot. I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity there because you're obviously losing Sanders, who is leaving targets behind. And we don't know who Marquez Callaway really can be and if Trey Quan Smith can handle this. So I see it kind of being where he could easily find a path to become that wide receiver too as a tight end and see close to a hundred targets. And even if that, I mean, you figure with what his per yardage, I mean, he could be close to a 900 yards and eight touchdowns. And I mean, he could be almost close to top five numbers if Jameis Winston plays well and he does get this role that I think I can see him having the path to get to. Perfect. Matt. I've been saving my hot take, Dave. I've been saving my hot take for this. And uh, it's TJ Hawkinson will finish with more targets than uh, George Kittle in 2021. And TJ Hawkinson, for that reason, in my breakout, for that for that reason alone, I think he's going to see a lot of targets. I mean, what wide receivers do they have to put in space in Detroit besides Brashad Perriman? I mean, TJ Hawkinson's going to get screens. He's going to get work as a security blanket, like I said, with LaVisca, because, I mean, he's going to be a middle-of-the-field guy. Uh, he's a tight end. He's he's going to get yards. He's going to get touchdowns. He's the best red zone option. Um, so, you know, TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift, like I said earlier, they're the guys in Detroit that I want. Uh, I don't really want a lot outside of them. Uh, maybe Brashad Perriman in best ball, but it's TJ Hawkinson, man, if I want a receiver from Detroit because he's, he's going to be the receiver. He's not just a tight end. So uh, I'm expecting really big things from Hawkinson this year, man. I'm, I'm expecting a nice tight end five-plus finish. I want him to finish tight end four or better. Love it. Love it. Uh, I, I definitely think, uh, you know, he's you've seen a steady progression out of him, and you could see him blow the top off this year um, exactly for the same reasons. There's just no other options there in Detroit. Uh, I wanted to go Dallas Goddard, so I'll give him an honorable mention. Um, I think Zach Ertz gets traded very soon, and um, they're already talking about Goddard extensions. Um, he's definitely someone as a, as a candidate. But uh, Kyle Pitts, um, Kyle Pitts was a huge winner in the Julio Jones trade. Um, we saw him the way he was drafted. Um, we could see him, and you know, in four years with the huge Jimmy Graham contract, you know, issue where. 
he's just a pass catcher. He's not a tight end. And, you know, I'm interested to see how many times he actually lines up on the line of scrimmage because I don't think it's going to be – it's going to be more than more than 15% of the time, probably less than that. So uh, Kyle Pitts, I think he's going to break all the historical fantasy, you know, the, the receiving yards, the touchdowns, all that stuff. He's going to push all those statistical numbers of just like I'm, – I'm the person that says – Tight ends don't break out year one. Don't get tight ends year one. I am the person that says that. I think Kyle Pitts is different. I think he's going to be a wide receiver, and you're going to be able to play him in your tight end spot. And for a, a rookie, he will be able to produce. I, I would no doubt put him in my, my top six as far as the tight ends. Um, I put him after Hawkinson, of course, but I, I think he's, he's going to blow up this year. All okay. right. Can I budge in for one quick second? I know we got to move on. But do we think? Do we think? I know I heard some rumors out there that people that the agents or agent for Kyle Pitts might want to push if they're going to move him more so to wide receiver, push him to actually get moved to wide receiver because of the money that he can get on his fifth year option. So does that affect how you feel about Kyle Pitts if he's get, gets moved and fantasy designation from tight end to wide receiver? Yeah, you still think he's relevant as like where he's getting drafted now. Uh, I mean, you have to look at it from the fact that everyone who drafted overdrafted Kyle Pitts because of tight end premiums just gets screwed out of any any capital they use to move up to get him there. If he's used as a wide receiver, it kind of defeats the entire purpose. Yeah, I was just curious. I thought it was interesting. I don't know if it's actually something that they're really going into. Obviously, I was just hearsay I saw on Twitter. So I'd be curious to see if that plays out. I mean, that's sad. Jimmy Graham didn't get very far with his negotiations, so I, I don't right. think that risk is too high as of right now. Yeah, the precedent set there is going to you know, prohibit that probably from happening. <laughs> yeah, no, I def- definitely think it's something to talk about, um, and I've heard people you know, ask about that. And, yeah, there's a whole, he, he gets thrown into a whole bunch of you know, similar players of value when he gets thrown into the wide receivers. And he really, you know, there's just not a lot of depth with tight ends. So it just, like Sam said, it's going to hurt those people that drafted him really high, knowing he was, you know, expecting him to play play tight end. Um, anything else on the breakouts? Any honorable mentions before we go to go to the bus? No, I wish it was Anthony Ferkser season still, but. <laughs> well, um, so obviously, you know, if you have this guy on your team and we throw him out as a bust, you can throw the hate mail. Um, you can find me at P O P E S F F H and, um, Mung, your first bust candidate, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. And you know, let me preface this with the fact that I love Ryan Fitzpatrick, man. Like I love the swag. I love that chalkboard photo from this morning. I'm rooting for him to succeed, but I just think that the fantasy community as a whole who loves Fitzpatrick needs to go with their heads instead of their hearts here. All right, I'm going to be the first to acknowledge that Fitzpatrick looked really good in his limited starts last year in Miami. He was number one in quarterback uh, completion rate under pressure, number two in deep ball completions. But we've seen him perform in stretches before, right? We saw that hot stretch in Tampa Bay, but he just never seems to sustain that kind of efficiency. Fitzpatrick's average of 1.6 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio in both Miami and Tampa Bay before that. And he's added some production on the ground, too, but he's fumbled on 14% of his carries. So turnovers have always plagued him. Maybe he can turn the corner. Uh, You know, he has probably the best cast that he has in a long time since Tampa Bay. But 
to me, the odds are just against a 38-year-old journeyman quarterback suddenly getting it. And personally, I'm not sure if he's going to be the starter for all of 2021, whether that's due to injury or performance here. And I just think that people are more excited about the meme of Fitzpatrick than the actual quarterback here. I'd be personally selling high in Dynasty, any second-round pick in Superflex, and pretty much anything you can get in one-quarterback formats. Coming hot after Fitzpatrick. You know, there's me a lot of people that he's he's a fan favorite. So, um, I think yeah. we need to end the, the Twitter the Twitter trend of white men with beards saying they're Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> I see that by like ten people now, and I, it's just cool. It's cool that you have a beard. I like your beard. It's really nice. <laughs> but just because you have a beard doesn't make you Ryan Fitzpatrick. But yeah, I I think the Fitzpatrick points are great, Mung. Yeah, I, I mean, if you got him as your third quarterback in Superflex, like it, it's it's great, you know, boom bust candidate. But yeah, we like like I, I said earlier when I talked about Terry McLaurin, um, let's not forget Ryan Fitzpatrick. He he can't fool you sometimes, and uh, you know, he 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 doesn't care about double and triple coverage, and sometimes it works out with his helmet turned sideways, and it's awesome for a Sports Center highlight. And then you also have the opposite, uh, Sam. Um, so. Let's let's uh, talk about uh, Monk's breakout candidate. Yeah, and uh, you know, obviously, we heard all about the good things about Sam Darnold, but uh, look, th- this is Sam Darnold we're talking about. The guy, you know, was drafted third overall in 2018, but the fact that Adam Gase was his coach for those years does not absolve Sam Darnold of everything. It's like Carson Wentz last year and blaming Doug Peterson for all his issues. You know, Adam Gase didn't make uh, Sam Darnold turn the ball over all these times. He didn't make him see ghosts. That was Bill Belichick. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Sam Darnold is a very good quarterback. We haven't really seen him do anything special in the three years that he's been in the league so far. So it worries me to think that even with Joe Brady and him stepping in with Robbie, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Terrace Marshall, that Sam Darnold is suddenly going to turn the corner and become this breakout quarterback that everyone thought he was when he came into the league three years ago. So, you know, uh, you know, there's a common saying, you know, with productivity or with opportunity doesn't always come productivity. So, you know, we have to think about whether Sam Darnold is actually a good quarterback because we've seen plenty of good quarterback or quarterbacks go into situations where they have perceived value and not live up to the expectations. And, you know, on one hand, we have if Sam Darnold breaks out with Joe Brady, Joe Brady's going to be gone next offseason. Like, we know that if he upgrades Sam Darnold in any capacity, he'll be a head coach and he'll be gone. So where does that, where does that leave everyone who's backing Sam Darnold on the basis of having, you know, this wonderkind uh, offensive coordinator to guide him through the season that works out for this one season, but it doesn't work out in the future. And I, I'm, I've never truly been high on Sam Darnold. I suppose that plays a pretty big bias to it, but I just haven't seen him do anything spectacular in the last three years, other than that 40 yard touchdown versus Denver last year. All right. All right. And we're going to see this. And that's, you know, one thing I really like about, you know, the list we put together was a lot of variety and you're going to see a few of the bus candidates are also breakout candidates or vice versa. So, um, Jeremy, what do you got? 
Yeah, I mean, mine could be arguably a little bit spicy. You know, maybe. I don't know. I went with Matt Stafford. I just – and I'm not saying he's going to bust. I don't think he's going to be, like, atrocious because it's Sean McVay and it's the Rams. But my belief is that I feel like a lot of people think he's going to be, like, a top 12 quarterback, and I just don't see him getting there. Um, I think he's just going to be where he's been. I mean, 2020, he was QB 15. In 2019, he was he was QB 29, but he only played eight games. In 2018, he was 20. I just don't see him returning to like 2017 form where he was QB7. So I just don't see that. And that's where I'm going to say that he's like a bust. I feel like he's going to be a, just a more efficient, like you had mentioned earlier, David, just a more efficient Jared Goff who could stretch the field a touch more. But I just think that they might end up start leaning a lot on Cam Akers, like you had said. I think Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson will get used a lot. And I think they might lean a little bit more towards the run. They've been a little bit pass heavy the last couple of years. But I feel like they might kind of just even it out a little bit more. And I just think that he's going to have a solid, efficient year. But I just think he's going to be like that mm, more mid-QB2, possibly high-end. And I, you could argue that's a breakout compared to where he's finished. But I just think that he's just going to be the same Matt Stafford he's always been, personally. So, Maddie, are you going to take that about your boy Stafford? <laughs> wow. He's not my boy anymore. It's Jared Goff. Season <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Stafford, and uh, I hope he wins a Super Bowl in uh, L.A. Well, I hope he wins a Super Bowl, too. I love Stafford. I'm just saying mm-hmm. I just don't think it's... he's going to get what everybody thinks he's going to Yeah, if we had more time, I would go. I would also go after Jeremy for this one. I, I think Stafford's going to be good. I don't think he's be top five. But mm-hmm. uh, I think it'll be much better. I think the defense helps him out quite a bit. He'll be on the field. All right, I struggled with the quarterback one, okay? Mung stole mine, and then I couldn't find somebody, okay? <laughs> Rebel out. But, but um, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. We'll, we'll not go uh, too crazy on Matthew Stafford. Matt. And you know who I'm not going to go too crazy on is Drew Locke. He's who I have listed. But, you know, that's like that's like peanut butter in the, the roof of your mouth if he's on your that's dynasty easy. team. You know, it's too easy. So we're going to go with a little harder – He's a veteran that you're probably hoping is your quarterback too this year uh, because he's cheap, and, but I don't think he's going to be a good quarterback too, and that's Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, you know what they did last year is instead of having a rushing game, they just passed the wide receivers behind the line of scrimmage and let them work, but that's that's yards for Ben. That's points for Ben, and that's going away this year because they added Najee Harris. So that is my only reason why Ben Roethlisberger is going to bust. He's not going to finish as a QB 13 this year. He's going to finish closer to the QB 17 to 19, in my opinion. Uh, so Ben Roethlisberger, for that reason, is my bust. I don't think he's going to be bad. I just don't think he's going to have as much opportunity. All right. And then for, you know, for, for me, uh, it's obviously not Matthew Stafford. Um <laughs> I think there's a lot of questions about Deshaun Watson and what to do with them. And, you know, you could, you could end up getting a monster value by getting Deshaun Watson in the fourth, fifth or sixth round. But we talk about a bust candidate. I'm not talking about a guaranteed bust, but he's a huge candidate for a bust because he might miss the entire season. He might miss four to eight games, not to mention he is on the worst roster in the NFL maybe the worst roster we've seen in the last five years. Um, Bill O'Brien completely tore it down, and somehow they continue. They got worse with Bill O'Brien not in the building. They just, they're a dumpster fire. Um, I don't know what to do with them. Um, so if I have Deshaun Watson on my team, I am. you can't sell them because you can't sell them for much. But if you're staring at your draft board and, and Matthew Stafford and Deshaun Watson are on, on the board, you know, we know what Jeremy's going to do, but what, what do you guys do in that situation? You know, you got Ryan Tannehill, 
you know, um, like where does Deshaun Watson fall? And eventually someone's going to pull the trigger and they're either going to hit jackpot or it's, it's just going to be, you know, a situation where they're going to have to roll out, you know, their backup quarterback every week. Let's go to running backs. Mung? Yeah, I'll stick with the uh, the rookies for the running backs here. I've got Travis Etienne. Uh, his made DLF ADP is 31st overall in one quarterback formats, which is pretty nuts to me. Uh, that's one spot behind Joe Mixon, uh, two spots ahead of Austin Eckler. Both of those guys a little bit older, but far more upside in my opinion. Um, you know, he's going ahead of Waller and Pitts and top 10 wide receiver options like Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson. You know, I think I see a second tier behind Najee Harris of ETN, Williams, and Sermon, but he's going a full round ahead of Javante Williams. You can get Trey Sermon three rounds later. It's just a really heavy bet on a running back whose role is still very unknown. Could very well cede some touches to James Robinson, potentially lose some goal line work to Carlos Hyde. I understand the argument that, you know, he has the chemistry with Trevor Lawrence, but at the end of the day, it's going to be Urban Meyer making those calls, not Lawrence. So from Urban Meyer's actions thus far in the offseason, I'm pretty skeptical about how long he's going to remain as an NFL head coach. But for the next year or two, I'm pretty skeptical in general about how that Jacksonville backfield is going to shake out. So the upside's there for ETN, the talent's there, but the risk of him busting is way too high for me to take at his current ADP. Sam. What do you got? So uh, I'm going to continue the trend of, of talking about people that I just do not like. And, and James Conner falls right into that category for me. And, and, you know, obviously you have him and Chase Edmonds over there in Arizona. And uh, Edmonds is the higher ADP back right now off the board at uh, RB28. And then you have James Conner down at 40. But I can't get on board with Conner, e- even at this low ADP. And, you know, the, the only place I would consider taking him is is in best ball, and that's as, like, my fourth running back. And that's if numerous other guys on the board, like Zach Moss, are already gone. Because I just don't see a scenario where Connor stays healthy. Uh, he hasn't had a single healthy season yet. Uh, he continually, you know, gets plagued by injury after injury after injury. And uh, even though he was pretty good when, when healthy with Pittsburgh last year, I just – don't see him getting enough work to where, uh, you know, he can manage to put out a good fantasy production from a week to week basis because he's just not dependable to be on the field. And, you know, he does fall into that injury prone category and I just can't see myself drafting him anywhere because of it. And, you know, he joins Melvin Gordon as the only two players that I don't want to draft in any format this year. Nah, that's good points and, and Mon, great great points in regards to, you know, don't just look at the running backs. Look at the other people around the guys that are being drafted. And when you're talking about drafting, you know, Travis Etienne over some of these other guys, it just doesn't make much sense. Um, I know people reach for running backs, but a lot of bust potential there. Jeremy, who do you got? You guys thought you hated me for Matt Stafford. Line up for this one. Najee Harris is my bust. I just think that Najee Harris has had a, I'm going to say this in like the nicest way possible, but a cakewalk of a 
college career. I think that playing at Alabama gives him a leg up. I think he's always had a very good offensive line out of Alabama. He's always had the opportunity to see the field. He's always had an opportunity to get moving and then make his moves. Um, I think coming to Pittsburgh is going to be a big change for him. Um, This offensive line graded 50.3 from pro football focus, which was second worst in the NFL. So you're talking about going from possibly arguably the best offensive line in college football to the one of the worst offensive lines in NFL and the NFL are a lot faster. We all know that. So Najee Harris just worries me a little bit because as a guy who's six foot two, two thirty, he doesn't necessarily run that way. He runs a lot like Derrick Henry, where he's trying to kind of not necessarily, he can use his power, but he's trying to make you miss first. Um, So I just think it's tough. I think he's going to have a solid year. I think he's going to have a crazy amount of opportunity. I just think it's going to be tough for him to get into that top 12 range. And I, he's getting drafted up in that range. He's getting drafted up into high end RB twos and RB one range, especially in dynasty. And I just don't see it for a 23 year old running back. I'd rather take my shot at Javante Williams. Who's 21, who I think overall is a better back. And I just, I just don't know. I just think that you're not going to get what you're paying to get Najee Harris at the moment out of him this year, at least. Yeah, no, I, he's, He's a sell for me. Mung and I were on a show a couple weeks ago, and we talked about, you know, when you're in your rookie drafts and you're sitting there and you're like, I need a running back. So you're, you know, obviously Harris is probably the top running back on your board. Trade it. I traded, I straight up just traded that pick for um, Cam Akers. So it was, you know, ended up being Harris for Akers. I feel like I killed him in that trade. So, you know, you could talk about the same thing with, you know, Swift or Dobbins. You know, those players. So if you don't like the running backs in this class, or even if, you know, you like some of the guys a little bit better, someone might pl- it might pay CEH plus for Harris. I mean, the hype is is, is real, um, or at least the hype is there. Um, but I agree with all your points. He does seem to need a runway a little bit, and I don't think he's going to get that in Pittsburgh. I do think he's going to get a lot of volume. So I think he's going to be absolutely terrible. But with what, where he's being drafted, he's definitely a bus candidate. Matt, who you got? Yeah, so, I mean, it comes to a little surprise because it was Dobbins at first. But, you know, I the only thing I didn't like about Dobbins was his, his reception work. It's not going to be there. I mean, but that's easy because everyone knows Dobbins' reception work isn't going to be there. They just signed Gus Edwards as well. But I'm going to do CEH uh, because I think that any any running back that's really attached to Patrick Mahomes is going to have a hard time. Uh, is he going to get the touchdowns? Probably not that you want. He's not going to be Antonio Gibson. He's not going to get all those touchdowns at the, at the goal line because, you know, he doesn't have that. Another thing that really bothers me is he didn't have the athletic profile for someone who's 5'8 or 5'7 at his size to be uh, a really efficient NFL running back. Uh, you know, this is something that a lot of people touch on when they take on the negatives of uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and I don't think that's always fair because he is able to do things that uh, other other people can't. Uh, he has really good vision, uh, but it all comes down to his his opportunities. Uh, when you have Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball, you know, I don't think you're going to be running the ball that much, uh, but... I mean, it could change. It's the second year. Andy Reid doesn't really like to use first-year running backs. So all this could be coming back to bite me in the butt for saying he's be a bust because Andy Reid's second-year running backs like to break out. But from what I've seen, I mean, the price for Clyde Edwards-Alaire in Dynasty is very high. So if you're expecting him to do very well this year, you you pay up. But I, I don't think he's going to have uh, as much production for what you're paying. No, that's, I mean, we're talking about second year guys all over, all over the board today. And, you know, he's someone that obviously people had a lot, they're, they're, 
a lot of high expectations last year. Some people are sour on them, so you might be able to buy a little little low on those guys. But um, like you said, the price is, is still pretty high. So if you if you like him, you have to pay up. Um, mine is Josh Jacobs. Uh, he's you know I don't think that's a big surprise, um, but he's still being drafted close to you know RB one territory, and it's just. The, the Raiders, not only did they bring in Kenyon Drake, but they just decimated that offensive line. The offense itself just isn't that good. So um, for where he's being drafted, I just like a lot of the guys that are being drafted around him better. Um, and, and that's why I think he's just – there's you know there's people out there that really, really love Josh Jacobs. And um, I just – maybe he goes, goes somewhere else and does better. Um, a rare you know thing for running backs, but – it's just the offense itself, his utilization. I just don't – I don't want anything to do with it. If I can, I'll trade out and get somebody else. Um, and then for the receivers and tight ends, because of time's sake, let's pack them together. So, Mung, if you can give us your receiver and tight end. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy talked about Najee Harris, and Maddie talked about Roethlisberger, so I guess we're just going to crap all over the Steelers tonight. Uh, <laughs> for the record, I do like Harris, but, uh, you know, Deontay Johnson is going too high for me. I think he's a prime bust candidate, mostly because we saw that Pittsburgh was second highest in neutral pass rate last year. Um, Deontay Johnson was sixth in targets with 144, but just 49th in yards per out run, so to me, that screams that his production came mostly as a result of volume, which I don't know if it's, if it's quite going to be there with the Steelers wanting to run more than drafting Harris in the first round. That tells me that Johnson is not going to live up to expectations this year. And then at tight end, I've touched on Logan Thomas before, You know, not only because Ryan Fitzpatrick left him out of his best friends, Terry and Curtis, but, uh, you know, Thomas saw 110 targets last year. That's third up behind only Kelsey and Waller. Washington really had nobody else there. So with Samuel there, um, with them drafting Diami Brown in the third round, I just don't quite see that target share there. He's more of that high-end tight end two, maybe back-end tight end one option. Uh, I don't see him quite reproducing what he was able to do in 2020. Like it. Yeah. Thomas was definitely one of mine for the exact same reason. Um, and I can get, I can get behind that with the Steelers receivers. I'm just taking the cheapest one. Um, and Deontay Johnson doesn't seem to be that right now. Sam. So, uh, you know, I went with Adam Thielen and Mike Kosicki for mine. And, uh, you know, with Adam Thielen, you know, obviously he way overperformed last year. He had 14 touchdowns. You know, he was, he ranked third in in the NFL with 20 red zone targets. I mean, that's, I don't, I just don't see that happening again, you know, not with Justin Jefferson, you know, heading into his second season being fully developed and Irv Smith, you know, getting ready to take over the, uh, you know, the main tight end role. Um, you know, they also drafted Amir Smith Marset as well, who can stretch the field. So I, you know, I, Adam Thielen has to be wildly efficient for him to reproduce last year's numbers. And I just don't see it happening again. I mean, you know, uh, you know, targets per route run, he ranked 76 in the NFL, 21.6%. And, uh, you know, while, while I do think he's a heavily targeted wide receiver, you know, in this offense that doesn't really feature a ton of passing offense, he's still, again, he's still going to have to be wildly efficient to, come close to his numbers last year. And then as far as tight ends go for Mike Gesicki, this, this is 
totally based off the fact that, you know, I'm not really in on Tua that much. Uh, you know, we still have a lot to see from him, whether he can be an efficient NFL quarterback. And then apart from that, they just drafted Hunter Long in the third round, who, you know, was my second ranked tight end in the draft this year. Loved him out at Boston College. He can do everything. He can he can run routes. He's one of the better route runners in this draft. He's a good, very good blocker, which will lead to early snaps on the field for him. And then he's a very good pass catcher as well. So uh, Mike Gesicki has to be careful, and even though he's you know a uh, a positional unicorn, 6'6", 240, 250, I mean, he's very good, but he's never broken out the way we wanted him to, and uh, I fear that Hunter Long is going to really cut into his playing time this year. Now, I'm, I'm down with that, too. I thought about Gesicki as well. Um, Jeremy? You guys are killing my Gesicki hype train, but anyways... <laughs> My two are DJ Moore at wide receiver. I just think that, like Sam had alluded to, I don't know if Sam Darnold's really going to take that next step. I don't think he's much better than Teddy Bridgewater. And I feel like everybody's super amped about DJ Moore being, oh, wow, he's getting Sam Darnold. Like, this is going to be great. He's going to be even better. Like, he's a better passer than Terry, or Teddy Bridgewater. And I just see that. I see him getting about the same usage he saw last year, which was 22% of the targets. Anderson's obviously still there, who saw 26 Marshall, as we alluded to earlier, is still very a good rookie receiver. They also added Cy Smith, so it's not like they ignored the wide receiver position. They brought in a lot of talent around them. Also, McCaffrey coming back is going to take some of that target share, I believe. So I just think that he kind of stays where he's always been, that mid-wide receiver too, possibly high-end if he gets lucky, but I just don't think he's going to get that high, and I just think he's getting overdrafted in the interpretation that he's going to get there. So, and then my other option for tight end was Robert Tunyon. I think Robert Tunyon last year, he finished tight end three. However, he was hyper-efficient in touchdowns. I mean, he had 52 receptions. 11 of them were touchdowns. Um, he had one three-touchdown game, which was 33 points in fantasy. So, I mean, that's really what pushed him up the board. Um, he had only nine double-digit fantasy point games as well as he had six single-digit games. So, I just feel like the addition of... Aaron Jones coming back, Lazar is healthy again this year, and then Amari Rogers being added to the equation. I just see, I just don't know if I can see him getting that many touchdowns again this year. In turn, he's just not going to get to that top tier tight ends again. And obviously, we see Rogers is not showing up to OTAs and or mini camps that are mandatory. So, who knows who the quarterback is going to be? And I'm all out on Robert Tunyon if it's not Aaron Rodgers. I'm with that, Matt. Yeah, so my wide receiver, you know, it's questionable for me because I, I really like all the wide receivers, you know. So I had to find one that I think is being a little overvalued right now instead of one that I think is going to bust. And I think that's Debo Samuel. I think that he's uh, this generation's Jarvis Landry. Uh, you know, he's very good at just getting those passes. And, you know, if he gets some yards after the catch, you know, that's good for him because he's pretty good at it. But, you know, they, sh they just target him on short passes and he just kind of goes down. But uh, I like I like Debo. But, you know, for what his value is right now, I'm, I'm kind of out on him. And then my tight end was Tyler Higby. Uh, you know, the Higby train's coming back to the station. And uh, I think that it should stay at the station um, because, you know, it's – I, I think the, the L.A. Rams are very wide receiver centric and they're going to continue to be wide receiver centric. Uh, I mean, they just added two to three wide receivers in the draft. If you consider their tight end wide receiver, uh, a wide receiver or not. But I like Jacob Harris a lot. I think that Jacob Harris will develop into a, a tight end of the future. Uh, he's a good guy to stash right now. 
and uh, I think he could be the replacement for Higby. Uh, but I don't think Higby is going to go crazy this year. Yeah, and what's the deal with Robert Tanyan having wide receiver eligibility in Silver? <laughs> yeah, um, I was looking the when I was looking started for this stuff receiver. and everything. So like I saw that and I was like, this is strange. Yeah, sleeper, like come on, like figure it out. Uh, and then Jacob Harris, that's a good call. So um I'm gonna I was gonna go with, with Kenny Galladay on uh, even not just because he's with my Giants. I'm I'm not I'm gonna I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna go with him just because he's really not being overdrafted. And for me to be a bust, you really the expectations got to be up there. And DK Metcalf. So last year in the fantasy playoffs, he disappeared, um, and he does disappear sometimes when he goes against premier corners. James Bradbury shut him down. We saw Jalen Ramsey shut him down. And last year during the fantasy playoffs, so you had week fourteen, he had fifteen points. Week. Uh, no, week you know, 14, 15 points, week 15, six points, week 16, eight points. And then for those week 17 people, he had three points. So, I mean, DK Metcalf is just too inconsistent to be wide receiver six in a lot of rankings. Uh, I get it. He's, he's a freak athlete and he's really good, but he's just too hot and cold for me. I would much prefer a lot of the guys, you know, I prefer guys after him that are just far more consistent than, than DK Metcalf. And uh, the second guy is Mark Andrews. So every year you're going to hear Baltimore say they're going to they're gonna pass the ball more. And then whenever the season starts, you're going to see them run the ball just like they always do because it's Lamar Jackson and that's Greg Roman. Even if they do pass a little bit more, they brought in a whole bunch of pass catchers. So Mark Andrews is, you know, I could definitely see TJ Hawkinson jumping over him. I wouldn't be surprised if someone like uh, Noah Fant and Dallas Goddard and Kyle Pitts jump him. I just think he's going to fall down the ranks, and he's—I've seen him drafted ahead of those guys. And you know, if I'm not going to get one of those top tight ends, I'm not going to overpay for Mark Andrews. I feel like people overpay for Mark Andrews when they miss on those big three. And I—I I, I, just—I would much rather Dallas Goddard right now. He's just a much better value, and I do think he's going to outproduce Mark Andrews. And uh, I don't know the ADP off the top of my head, but. I, he's usually the tight end five or tight end six and the, the drafts I've been doing. And, and for me, that's just way too high. You know, Mark Andrews had 17 touchdowns the last two seasons leading the tight end position. It's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, tight ends come back down to earth. Yeah. Tight yeah, ends. You have no wide receivers there. That's why. Yeah. So um, Hollywood De- Brown breakout season. I'm calling it. That's my, that's my shot. He's improved each year. Dude, everyone. I mean, he's super cheap right now. So I mean, yeah. it's yeah. E- that's that's a, an easy one to uh, to go and get. So cheap. Well, um, this was an awesome show. I really appreciate all you guys coming on. Um, I hope you guys can come back on before the season starts. Um, I'll make sure to to make sure everyone knows every single one of your busts, so they can they can get mad at, at you guys like I did with Jeremy with Stafford. Um, make sure everyone goes and give these guys a follow. Um, really active on Twitter, really active on all the social media and um, just really good fantasy advice. So thanks everybody for watching, listening, have a great night.